Nine. Nine. Chris, the design challenge we will be taking upon ourselves today is create three space anomalies that beg to be investigated. (laughs) Oh no, these are going to be scary. I hope so. Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. And uh, Andy, so we have gotten some feedback, I guess in the past and also more recently, that I'm a scaredy cat. <laughs> so the, the prospect of this design challenge that we just rolled um, has me nervous already about what's going to happen. I look forward to me trying to push us in the direction of like extreme body horror and you trying <laughs> yeah. to pull us in the direction of like unicorns and rainbows. So yeah, it, it just says space anomalies that beg to be investigated. They don't have to be horror, <laughs> even though every time this has appeared in a piece of media, it has been to introduce yeah. a horror story. Yeah, well, we'll just we'll, we'll put our own spin on it. Um, yeah, and I think we'll we'll stick with yeah. Like maybe there's a rainbow in space. How does <laughs> yeah, that that's work? right. <laughs> okay, well, so before we begin our challenge, Chris, let's lay out at least one of these needs to not be in the horror genre. Okay, maybe All more right, of them can good. be too. But like, let's just add that to the challenge. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. All right, yeah, and so we're gonna get into the design challenge. But I actually had a couple things that I wanted to talk about on air. One is a little bit self-serving. Um, because both you and I are playing Elden Ring right yes, now. Um, we are. I think we are both both loving it quite a bit. And for those of you who do not play video games, um, Elden Ring is um, yet another game in the, I'm just going to say in the Dark Souls universe, although it's you know slightly different. Um, and so if you have any nerds in your life, they're probably talking about it incessantly. So I apologize. You're going to hear, hear a little bit more about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> these days. It's very um, hard but- not to just start talking about Elden Ring right now. I'm, yeah. I'm holding my back myself back almost physically here. So the thing that I will say about it, and maybe we can keep it a little bit broad and maybe tied to tabletop games um, a bit, is that it is like a, an extremely evocative setting. It is everything you may or may not like about fantasy turned up to like 15 on the scale. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's great. Like you, you have no idea what's going on. There's a bunch of new vocabulary all the time that makes no sense. And they could just say like, you know, they can say like, it's a tree, but no, it's got to be like the, the cool tree of, of whoever. Yeah. So I, I'm liking it quite a bit. I'm a couple hours into it. Uh, I think I just started what last night, you know, two nights ago or so. Um, it's consumed every every waking moment that I have where I can devote to playing video games. But yeah, what about you, Andy? Like, what's your what's your hot take on Elden Ring? I'm many hours into it and mm-hmm. uh, loving it. And just to pull it back into a tabletop RPG thing, one of my earliest impressions of it was that it felt like a video game that really embodies what quote old school D&D wants to be. It's a big map that you don't know anything about. You don't have any kind of pre-existing knowledge of it. You don't know its history. You don't know what you can expect to find there. And in the same way, I sort of imagine those old school Gygaxian hex crawl adventures happening. In this game, I mean, you look at the map, you say, that looks like a cool place to check out, and you go over there, and there's always something interesting to do there. There's always yeah. some kind of an encounter there. There might It might be the, a ruin or the scene of like a little small dungeon. It might be a place of refuge where there's an NPC you can talk to and have an exchange with, but mm-hmm. it's just packed with encounters of various sorts. And it it made me think, I know there is a Dark Souls RPG coming out and I, it's a must buy, you know, no matter what the critics say for it, that will be going into my collection. (laughs) Yes, Uh, yes. But I, you know, I think I remarked to you, Chris, 
Elden Ring feels like the most tabletop gameable version of kind of the From Software universe that mm-hmm. we've seen so far. And a lot of it has to do with just that open world full of stuff for you to go um, discover at your own pace. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, like, so I'm just a few hours into it, but I, I would agree with that. It's, um, you know, if you've played, like, another game that uh, maybe more people might have had an interaction with is, like, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Hmm. Like, it has a similar feel to that, or even some of the other Zelda games, too, where it's just like, yeah, like, you you kind of make up your own um, goals in it a bit. Like, you're like, yes, I want to go over there. Let's figure out how I can get to that spot. Right. And like, you know, that you have some movements and actions and stuff that you can do, but you're not quite sure how it's going to going to play out. But like the game rewards you by actually letting you get there. So if you've been frustrated with games being like, oh, you can't do that. Right. Like, because, yeah, there's just an invisible barrier somewhere there. Like, I mean, I think, yeah, this like Elden Ring and some other games like this are really um, like letting you do that. And it's super exciting. So I, I don't have too many thoughts about Elden Ring beyond beyond that, like those initial exploratory hours. But yeah, it's good. I'm sure I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, you will hear us talk more and more about it as we <laughs> as we get further into the game. Yeah. And obviously it's not, you know, we're not a video game podcast, so we'll mm-hmm. so rest assured, dear listener, we'll move on in a moment. But you know, the one thing that jumped out at me tabletop gaming wise from Elden Ring, in addition to what we've already discussed, is it's confidence in letting you bump into stuff that you're really not equipped to handle yet Mm -hmm. and it doesn't doesn't artificially wall you out of places you really shouldn't be i mean that's not 100 percent true there are places you can't get to quite yet at the beginning of the game but in general the game is confident that you'll go into these hard places uh, get your butt kicked and decide to come back later but the game does absolutely allow you to figure out those places and and like cheese your way through those places at low level if you could figure it out and Mm -hmm. this is kind of kind of sits on my sort of you know we all have that gming bucket list you know stuff we want to do one day and that i don't know that kind of old school hex crawling campaign where you don't give too much worry about what the PCs are able to handle, and you just sort of trust that they will react to a new situation in the way that seems best to them, whether it's like, whoa, we need to retreat, we're not ready for this, or, hey, I think we can do this if we take advantage of this power and this strategy and this character ability, you know, and yeah. uh, and somehow make our way through something that should be too challenging for us. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So Andy, before we get into our topic, so I had one other thing that I wanted to talk about. So um, I have gotten the the privilege, I would say, of getting to play in-person um, games uh, between the last time we recorded and now I played played in-person twice. Um, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. And it's been amazing. And it's kind of reminded me about like why, why I like the hobby, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Cause it's just like, there's something like just so magical about, you know, sitting around a table with your friends to like tell a story. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to like, call that out. Right. Cause it's been, it's been a long time since I played in person just because of, you know, pandemic stuff and our family situation <laughs> and all that. Uh, yeah. So having like these two experiences sort of like somewhat back to back has been, been great. So one was a blades in the dark game, which um, is ongoing, which is like, yeah, I've been super great. Another one was, uh, John Corey has kicked off his One Ring campaign, Wonderful. so he's doing a what he calls the Bumbling Hobbits campaign. So I'm playing as a, a, a yes, Drogo, <laughs> yeah, Drogo in in that campaign, and we have like the the big scary things that have happened in that are crossing a river that <laughs> has too much water in it, and we had to uh, chase off an owl. <laughs> so it's like the, 
Yeah. That's so the stakes are quite low. This is in contrast to the Blaze of the Dark game, which has gotten much darker than that. But, yeah. <laughs> well, I can see um, it's your goal to explore the opposite extremes of kind of fictional fantasy settings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really great. I mean, we were, we were talking a little bit on the discord, I think about this and you know, it's, I think it's been a while since like I've gone on a, a proper, like Chris talks about why he loves gaming, <laughs> gaming rant, but there is like, like I mentioned, it's magical to sit around the table, but like the reason that I play these games is to, to be with the people that I'm playing with them. Yeah. Like, right. It's not to interact with the mechanics. It's not to min max my character or anything like that. It's to like have these fun shared experiences. Right. Like, cause I don't know, like at the end of the day, like you know, what do you really have? Right. You have, you have sort of your memories, you have your friends and your family and stuff. Um, yeah. So I think it's like, it's really important to, to find these things that bring you together. Right. So like whether it's gaming or something else, I think I'll grab onto that and hold on to it. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's been, it's been gaming lately and that's been like, you know, super just lovely. Like when we were playing the one ring game at one point, there was a very silly joke made that just like had us all laughing for way longer than I think any of us had laughed in a while, which was just, yeah, it was super great. So yeah, that is my, my pitch for like get together with your friends if you can and play, play some games. Uh, Cause it's good for the soul. Is there anything in particular that like you will never take uh, take for granted again about in-person gaming? I think for me for me the thing that I really love is like so I'm an introvert so if you give me too much like one-on-one time with a person it can get a little bit uh, a little bit much <laughs> to say the least right so like for me like the most valuable parts about gaming are sort of the bookend conversations like the hey, you're getting there, you're catching up with people, right? And then like before you're leaving, you're saying goodbye, you know, those sorts of things or like the little jokes that you have have in, within the game or, you know, like the, like getting up to get a snack, those, those sorts of things. Um, yeah, just being able to like bump into each other a bit, <laughs> a bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think for me, like that's, that's the thing that I've missed the most about the pandemic is those like those small like moments that surround stuff that you just don't get with Zoom. Yeah. You don't get with, yeah, Roll20. So. Yeah, my place of employment has been totally remote for the last two years since the pandemic began. And, you know, we periodically have those discussions about like, what, what do we miss? You know, like what, what needs aren't being met? And it's those bump into each other, passing each other on the way out of the office or on the way to go grab coffee or something like that. It's the the business stuff you can figure out. But some of what we've lost is that like, hey, what are you reading these days type of chats while you're both passing each other in the hall. So it's, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear it, Chris. Um, and well, I'm glad you're gaming again. And that sounds like a really fun combination of games to be playing. It is. It <laughs> One is where you uh, delve into the depths of, I assume, human depravity uh, <laughs> and the other where you do the whatever the opposite of that is. So, yeah. Um, it has been, uh, the accusation has flown in our Blades in the Dark game that we're being a little bit too nice, but I would like to say that we're being savvy, which is the, <laughs> the word that we chose for ourselves is savvy. So, um, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's transition into our topic at hand. Um, so Andy, uh, to start this thing, I need you to tell me what is the thing in space that you would see that would make you be like, well, we got to go see that. <laughs> The obvious answer to that question is assuming a real world modern day setting. The most clear answer to that setting is evidence of intelligent life. Mm -hmm. um, so if something, you know, we are so how many decades and centuries have we gone with seeing nothing coming into us from the void except yeah. natural processes? You know, what if we saw something 
But that's kind of an obvious one. So with this topic, I kind of have in mind some sort of sci-fi-ish setting. Let's assume that they already know there there is or there could be intelligent life out there, maybe. Mm-hmm. So here's okay. something to get us started. What about a well-known and well-documented and well-understood natural phenomena behaving in a truly bizarre way? Mm. Here is an example from literature. Um, I'm going to botch the name of this author who I love, but I've never known how to pronounce his name. Werner yeah. Vinge or Vingy. I, I'm, I'm going to be no help there. But yeah, I know okay. talking about it. Right. Well, listeners, I hope you are silently seething at my mispronunciation. Yeah. Anyway, he's written a lot of stuff about sort of post-singularity sci-fi mm-hmm. fiction. Anyway, one of his books has as its setting what draws people to a distant, distant solar system is that its sun's are like switching on and off at regular Mm -hmm. intervals that defy anything that, you know, normal science would explain. So they're just going on and off like light switches. And how do you not go check out what's going on there? So, so that's my first answer, something like that, which we need to decide what it is. But so what's something Mm -hmm. that could be just behaving really abnormally? Yeah. The like, yeah. So the question sort of, um, like you know, I've read my fair share of like hard sci-fi that like will will take the the idea of like well, what if a sun you know, what if your sun is turning on and off and just really spin out <laughs> spin out from there like what 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 could possibly happen? So I think I like that, and I think like maybe let's just for what we're doing stay a bit grounded in that, so yeah. it's not like uh, all of a sudden there's magic in space, right? Like so it's yep. yeah something along those lines. Yeah, the thing that occurs to me with you know the sun you know like or your star kind of blinking on and off is that like the temperatures on the planets nearby are going to change quite drastically, right? Like if it's not outputting heat, um, there might also be some consequences or like some, some knock on effects, like maybe orbits change as well of, of the planets that are surrounding it. Yeah. I really like that one. I like the orbits thing. Can we talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. So the thought that I had there was, I mean, like, right. So, I'm not a physicist or, you know, astronomer at all. So my, when I think about like the earth going around the sun, it's a very simple mental model of like kind of the the earth just going, going around it in a flat plane. But, you know, I'm wondering if like, you know, even if you just sort of tilted that a couple degrees, right. Like what that would do to like everything on that planet. Right. Like if all of a sudden, yeah, your light sources are acting differently, you know, or maybe the whole planet, like, comes to a stop and starts going the other way you could do a lot with those yeah orbits so the orbit of a planet maybe a major populated planet or something is starting to mm-hmm. change in a way that's not explicable by it will shock you listeners to hear this but i also am not an astrophysicist so uh, <laughs> yeah so uh <laughs> yeah okay so this is where we, we should uh we should have tim tim saucer on speed dial bring him in because i think he, <laughs> he's probably screaming right now what kind of appeals to me about this is You know, it's always interesting to me how, you know, the conditions of a planet like Earth are kind of set up uniquely to support the kind of, you know, life that we have here. And it's fun Mm -hmm. to imagine. I think even, you know, relatively small changes in the way Earth behaves or interacts with its its environment would Mm -hmm. have, you know, the potential to have dramatic consequences, you know, warming or cooling or gravity starts changing would have profound consequences for like a really developed society that has developed for thousands of years, mm-hmm. assuming that certain natural laws are going to work the way they do forever. 
So, yeah. you know, depending on what you do with this, maybe maybe the uh, orbit changes by a few degrees or maybe something more dramatic happens. I think it would be fun as a GM to like just do a little Googling. You know, what would happen if, you know, whatever, if the Earth yeah. just angled slightly differently than it is or it got a little bit mm-hmm. farther from the sun or whatever. Just in the interest of like making it like pretty obvious, let's be a little bit extreme. Like, let's say... Yeah, let's say the space anomaly is like whatever um, planets are orbiting that sun, like stop, start spinning the opposite direction and like fly, (laughs) like start flying out of control, right? Like you just said, you know, take it, take it to 10. I mean, then I think you're, you have a bunch of hooks there. It's like, well, do you just try to save, save the sentient folk that are on these planets? Do you try to like undo what is happening? Like, Like what, what caused this, I guess, is it? some sort of like oil baron was trying to drill for oil on the sun. Yep. Okay. So are we going to leave it up to the GM to decide like, you know, what caused it is, is this as specific as we want to get with this? Yeah, let's do, let's leave it up to the GM. Let's like, yeah, let's come up with a couple hooks, I think per, per idea. Just so, um, yeah, there's, we can explore that a bit. Sounds good. But yeah, I think I like that. That's a, that's a good space anomaly. All right. So shall Um, we move on to number two then? Yeah, then for let, sure. Let that me throw yeah. out kind of a, a type for us. And then, so that one we just discussed is not necessarily horror. It's kind of, <laughs> you know, it kind of lends itself to a, you know, a disaster movie mm-hmm. type of experience. Yeah. You know, get in there and save people or, but it doesn't necessarily need to be. So yeah. my favorite cinematic type of space anomaly that gets the crews of like space freighters in trouble every single time is something that promises to help them out. I have two mm. examples I want to throw out. One is in, uh, let's see, uh, the movie Sunshine, Danny Boyle's Sunshine. Mm. Super underrated, wonderful sci-fi movie, okay. in my opinion. Uh, I will fight you on this. And <laughs> okay. yeah, so they're on, you know, a critical space mission. Everything's going fine. They haven't had to deviate in any way. They're on a mission that they will have one shot to get it right. And on the way to their destination, where they'll have exactly one shot to get it right, they detect a still functional previous expedition that might mm. basically give them two shots. Like if they go and get oh. get the thing off of that ship, which they don't know why it, it failed, it still has the thing they need. Mm-hmm. They just go over and they take basically a second round of ammunition off of that ship they would have okay. two shots which would like you know give them a wonderful new margin of error in so many horror type movies you just are yelling at the screen like why would you do such a stupid thing but that yeah. is a hard enough choice like you would have to really think yes we would be adding some element of risk into our mission to go deviate here but mm-hmm. like the potential rewards are really vast so Maybe in our scenario, we imagine the PCs really should not be diverting their attention. Let's Mm -hmm. come up with something that, like, would make that a truly difficult choice. The other one, which I won't go into detail, is I I do kind of like the conundrum that um, Alien Covenant gives its uh, space freighter. (laughs) Like, it's, uh, it's it's another pretty tough, like, that is actually tempting to go for it type of... Uh, okay so, so anyway all right, all right what do you so think about you, that you heard it here first um andy thinks that alien covenant is the best one <laughs> <laughs> don't we're very close to like unleashing uh yes. the, to opening the floodgates here so i'm okay listeners i'm i'm fighting hard to stop keep talking chris or else we're gonna get 
We're going to get some rants about the Alien franchise, please. Yeah. When you were talking about Sunshine, the thing that I was thinking about was maybe you have some sort of... You're on a ship that doesn't have a, that has enough fuel, essentially, to make it to your destination, and that's it to make it to the destination. And then you you give you give the um the party like yeah some sort of secondary goal that pops up, right? Like so much like you said with like that second round of ammunition, but it's just like if you go there, you will not have enough fuel to make it to your destination. But right, like the the risk reward could be there. Yeah. Um, right. So that's it's spinning it a little bit, and that it's less like you know you're going to save the universe, and more like you're going to save yourselves <laughs> if you can make it to that wormhole across across the way there. But if you can stop over there, maybe there's more fuel. Maybe there's you know some sort of secondary thing. Um, this doesn't really seem like an anomaly though. Like the more that I'm thinking about it, I like though where you were kind of going, even if we are drifting a little off course. What if the PCs signed up on this mission, understanding it would cost them something significant, and mm-hmm. something unexplained pop unexpected pops up that promises to mitigate that cost? Mm. Um, you know, I don't think most role playing game scenarios would do something like this, but the PCs are on their way somewhere, but they know they won't survive. You know, when they get there, they'll deliver their cargo, but it's too far out or something like that they won't survive mm-hmm. and then what if you dangle the possibility of like hey add a little risk to your journey and you can guaranteed survive it Ooh, yeah what if when they get there and i'm gonna hand wave this a little bit but like what if yeah so what if it is like a you know this is this is your mission we don't expect to see you ever again you know thank you for your service yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing uh they get there you know they they do their they can do their mission right but then there is presented them the option of like creating a wormhole that could essentially like actually get them back Ooh, yes but it's uncontrollable right or like would would also bring back maybe the alien <laughs> that they yeah <laughs> that they discovered on the ship as well um right so then it's then it's a choice of like yeah well do we try to get back or do we continue to do the right thing and just like you know not not bring back this alien i like the idea and again we're imagining a kind of contrived rpg scenario here but Mm -hmm. i do like the idea that they would have to sit for the maybe the rest of their lives with the knowledge that they maybe have a way back and it's only their conscience that is stopping them is it even yeah. their conscience? Maybe it's just their, you know, slavery to authority that's stopping them from using it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you could even, you could give each of the, the players a different reason why they don't want to hit that button. Yeah. Right, so like it's an easy button to hit, but it's like, yeah, so like one person, you know, you get put on their character sheet, like you are devoted to the cause. You know, another one is like, I don't know, scared or nervous or something like that. Like, right, like, they, you know, they, they have family back home that would be susceptible to whatever is going to come through. Right. You could give them like all sorts of different reasons for it. I think it'd be fun to to see see how the players would yeah play their characters uh, towards those those reasons, especially when given the choice um, at the end. Right, because if you do it right, like your character sheet could even contain you like right. We're talking about like contrived RPG scenarios. Like maybe you have a bunch of pregens and they all have like these things that are about them that they can use for role playing that they don't realize at the end is going to be like very much a like here's your choice now like why why are you going to take it or not yep what would be what would be the like the the coolest or the the most anomalous or the most scary thing that they could bring back with them that they could bring back with them i don't know do you have something in mind i mean unicorns but i've (laughs) I've been told that (laughs) save it for for item number three here it's coming up in just a minute chris what if it uh what if it is like uh to steal an idea from harry potter like what if um 
the creature like manifests itself as like whatever you like the most in, in life so like everybody sees it as a different thing but you know it will destroy you <laughs> in some way it's funny i think we just hit one of those generational tests because what i think of when i think of that is i think of uh ghostbusters in this state yes yeah choose, choose the <laughs> yes. form of the destroyer uh, yeah yeah so, absolutely uh, chris is younger than me dear listeners uh yeah j- yeah just a little bit i mean i i've seen that movie but like yeah like my my name went to harry potter. <laughs> harry potter is a uh, bogarts i think is what they are so. <laughs> um, okay well in the interest of time I, you know, we've thrown a lot of stuff out there. It's maybe not as specific as some of our ideas have been in the past, but I'd like us mm-hmm. to move on to the next anomaly. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. All yeah, right. Absolutely. So this is the big one, Chris. This is your chance to shine. We know you like things that aren't scary. This needs to be an anomaly that invites you to investigate it that uh, isn't scary or ominous. Am I allowed to make that, uh, put those boundaries yeah, around it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was I was all prepared to like, let's go, let's go darker. Let's go a couple, couple <laughs> steps. <laughs> I can do it. It's, the sun's shining. It's fine. <laughs> you know, a, a, a space anomaly that could be, yeah, a little bit nicer, right? Is like, a, you know, some sort of ship appears in the, the sky. Right, and it has a bunch of like refugees um, mm, yep. on it in some way, but I mean, like, then you can take it a lot of directions. I mean, my mind immediately went to like the ship appears, and it's um, and it's like you, but from thirty years in the future, oh. or something like that. Like a, a time loop thing could be really fun. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's you thirty years in the future, like you know, showing back up, and like maybe they don't recognize you. So I mean, I think like in a lot of time time loop stuff there's usually like the people that are coming back from the future are like oh finally i found you that sort of stuff but maybe they're like surprised or yeah they don't recognize you but like it's very clear that you're the same <laughs> what if uh <laughs> I, and i guess we'll just jettison this like non-horror angle here. okay uh, yeah well so what if like they are back to give you advice maybe urgent advice like don't do this it's going to cause trouble Mm-hmm. Uh, we're from the future and we've seen the trouble that happened when you whatever when you invented the the xyz or you went to planet yeah. x yeah what if they come back and rather than even just like it's a warning like they're coming back and it's like a war like a war like they are like ready to get you <laughs> like they're um, attacking attacking yeah you. like they're they're coming back to attack you right because like whatever happened um you know and then for the gm you could create some that could create some interesting scenarios if one of them manages like if your current party manages to take out like your older version of yourself do you like or vice versa does like that does the older one disappear immediately if they take out the younger one right wow uh yeah uh, i didn't expect this uh this design challenge to take us into time like time travel but uh, maybe it shouldn't but i mean i feel like, oh, I no, feel like there's a, yeah there's a lot of um a lot of space stuff i feel like also deals with time yeah Right? Yeah, if yeah. every third episode of Star Trek can be about a time loop, uh, then one of our three space anomalies can be related to a time loop. That's what I say. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So, versions of yourself from the future appear with either some kind of tidings, or maybe they like are acting in a seemingly irrational way and just like attacking. I'm trying to think like what the angle on space is. I mean, I guess we've, we've really shifted from like space anomaly more towards like science fiction setups yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, through the conversation. Yeah. But I mean, I think like anomalies, like they, to me, I think we said this earlier, like really beg the question of, okay, so what, right? Like if there's a, <laughs> you know, if there's a sun flare, right. Okay. Like, 
I mean, that's right. Like, there's no, there's no story there. Yeah. Until you... And if you're in like a Star Wars type sci-fi universe, what would actually grab your attention? You know, mm-hmm. um, not not just one of another million suns flaring mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, is there anything in Star Wars that would surprise people? That's tougher because it's really more of like a science fantasy setting, you know, where yeah. it's not that weird that there's like space wizards and stuff. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, you know, Star Wars is kind of a special case. But, you know, yeah. I'm thinking maybe like in a, a Firefly type, a Firefly or, a, you know, what's another setting that's like, you know, in the future pays a little bit. Oh, like the Expanse, you know, pays some lip service to like um, yeah. real, real tech. You know, The Expanse is a pretty good example of a, of a sci-fi setting that's like at least in theory, you know, built on sort of hard science fiction. And then in the setting, they're presented with something that defies physics and um, hmm. and everything they've come to expect from it. So, Oh, really? I still, we got, I got to watch that. <laughs> is our final anomaly is a time anomaly is the appearance yeah. of somebody possibly the pcs from the future they're acting uh, you know aggressively or something like that and so you need to a you know defend yourselves from whatever the threat is and b figure out exactly what is going on um, maybe open mm-hmm. up a dialogue or just figure out what's what's happening here and if you have any sort of fun gm shenanigans like for letting people play two versions of themselves from different yes. time streams that yeah i go crazy with it right oh yeah that'd be great like you get you get two character sheets <laughs> yeah. like yeah yeah what if uh your younger self gets shot and the old one like develops a limp uh yeah you know, right away or something you know like do something yeah. cool right <laughs> yeah that's a fun one okay uh, do we have uh maybe we should do like i mean i think the quick bonus one is like yeah probably aliens right like you have yeah. yeah alien like i think you just yeah you take any of the the alien movies especially alien covenant andy's favorite one <laughs> and just like rip <laughs> rip off the <laughs> i'm sorry i'll, I'll stop no, but yeah fine. i think the yeah watch alien watch aliens and then whatever they do in those just just do that at your table yeah well i mean there are these classic anomalies that like humans would just not be able to resist investigating and they pop up in all these Mm. horror movies like event horizon and everything and i'm like a huge sucker for this this ship that vanished like 20 years ago just came back how do you not i mean you have to you have to even though it clearly yeah. just emerged from the hell dimension, right? I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, listen, this is the one time you should listen to military guy who's just like, well, nuke it, nuke it from orbit, <laughs> exactly. right? Like, yeah, but no, you're not going to do that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Well, I think I think we are we're done. We've exhausted um, a couple of our ideas there. Uh, this is yeah, this is good. I mean, I we did a like a space oriented one shot on the podcast, you know, a couple a couple months ago. Um, and before that, I don't think I ever would have thought about running anything related to sci-fi at all. But like huh. now, I mean, between that and like this, like this is this has my my mind spinning. Well, your challenge, Chris, is now to run all three of these ideas at, at once <laughs> in one scenario. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, there'll be an hour of me setting things up. <laughs> just, <laughs> That's right. Just a monologue. Before we start, I'd like you to read the 75-page Google document I shared with all of you. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Always a good look. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, Andy, do you have anything else that you want to talk about before we wrap up? I don't. No, this has been a good chat. Yeah. And um, yeah, good luck on Elden yeah. Ring. I'm uh, farther than you, but not far enough that I have any confidence that I know what I'm doing in the game. So uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Sounds good. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, so a couple of housekeeping notes, right? So again, we are part of the Roll For It uh, media conglomerate network. We got to come up with like the last word for that. Yeah, but really the Roll For It media uh, network um, of, of podcasts. Um, so our, our sibling podcast, The Splat Book, just released their second episode last week, which was really good. Um, Andy was actually a guest on that that podcast. I was. Chris, uh, Chris it was a yeah. nightmare. They, <laughs> they, uh, they hook their guests up to these machines that like electrocute them if they say... Yeah. Um, and things like oh that. no it's it's like it's just a nightmare yeah that's bad but we should probably get that technology oh, that oh, absolutely. Like good... <laughs> they're part of the network they owe us this tech um yeah it's a it's a really good podcast it's quickly becoming one of my favorites and i'm not just saying that i mean i have lots of podcasts i could listen to but i, I actually really enjoyed enjoy this one so if you are looking for more andy in your life um you can go listen to that episode uh it's at thesplatbook.com you can subscribe in all of your your pod uh, pod catchers, I think is the official word for those. I, I wish that it was not. I know. We all, we all wish that it was not. Um, yeah. So I think that's good. Yeah. So go check me out at the splatbook.com. Um, that is uh, Kyle Latino and um, John Corey are the the hosts of that, that podcast. But um, I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rowe. And remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. Bye.